This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Oh, it's Friday. It feels like Friday. I mean, it's really rainy and everything. Remember the historic high, daily high, rainiest day. In case you didn't notice it. I'm wondering if I needed to build an ark or something, but apparently it's all right. Not so great at DIA. We're probably being stranded out there if you're listening on the app. Thanks. Hopefully we're entertaining you while you're waiting for your flight. <laughs> the Denver Nuggets are off to the Western Conference Finals for the fifth time in their history and the first time uh, from only a couple years ago. I mean, it's, it's easy to maybe take a look at how close the Nuggets have gotten and, and miss how impressive they really have been as a whole over the last couple of years. But they look extraordinary now uh, being led by Nikola Jokic, who is playing simply sublime basketball, joining us to talk about it as well as uh, we'll touch on a couple other things while we have him because we haven't had a chance to talk to Justin Adams in a, a little while, unfortunately, and always good uh, to talk to Justin. You can follow him on Twitter at Justin Adams uh, TV. He's as local as they get. And uh, you can catch him, of course, on CBS News Colorado all the time. Justin, uh, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Uh, I just want your first thoughts on the Nuggets in the way they took on a, a Suns team that was favored in the series, dispatched them four games to two, and besides the the blip, the games three and four in Phoenix, uh, the Nuggets really otherwise haven't been all that challenged even by the talents of Phoenix Suns. Sean, let's just call it what it is. It was a butt-whooping of a series. It was the biggest blowout of a six-game series I've ever witnessed. Three out of the four wins that the Nuggets had were blowouts. Double-digit, actually all the wins were double-digit wins, but three of them were blowouts. And so we, like that, we're looking around and say, wait a minute, how did Phoenix actually win two games? Oh, three games three and games four, you had two of the best shooting marks probably in NBA history from Devin Booker. I mean, (laughs) they had to have their best players play literally out of their mind to steal two games by single digits. On the other hand, the Nuggets won in a blowout. I mean, it was just, again, it was one of those where it feels like kind of like how the Avs were last year when they had to get over the hump against the St. Louis Blues. That's the same way it felt like with this one against the Phoenix Suns. Well, they've started 4-1, 4-2, which is uh, almost exactly what the Avalanche did a year ago in the first two rounds. Uh, I, I want to ask you uh, generally, we'll get to Jokic in a second, but just generally, uh, I've been watching the Nuggets for over 40 years, but there are people around who have been watching the Nuggets from the beginning when they weren't even the Nuggets. They were the Denver Rockets in the ABA. The first year was 1967-68. And many of them uh, were telling me last night, people have watched the Nuggets from the beginning, that the first half was the best basketball they had ever seen the Nuggets play in a game of any consequence whatsoever. I'd be hard-pressed to find a better one. I didn't think it mattered whether Phoenix had Aiton and Paul or didn't have them or whether Phoenix was good or bad. Uh, the Nuggets would have been up 20 to 30 points regardless. They, That's how good they were. They were rolling, Sandy. Sandy, they, they were just a team. It got to the point where it was just a laugher, where Jokic would get the ball, and he would turn around and make a shot, and it was like, oh, okay, so he, he has the ball in the paint. That's a score. Like, before he even went to the hoop, it was a score. And I think the only other game that I've ever seen this much dominance in the playoffs is in 2009 in the first round against actually a team that uh, Chris Paul was on. He was yeah, with New Orleans. Yep. 
think it was game four. They won by like 53 or 54. Something yeah, they like won that. the like, one. It was like 121 to 63. Yeah, but I mean, ridiculous. that that was, I mean, Paul was there, but he was a young player and they mm-hmm. really didn't have a thing around him. And the Nuggets were uh, so much better. And that's it. This was a team they just dispatched. And I agree with your characterization uh, that a month ago they were not favored to beat. Hmm. No. And let's call it what it is. A month ago, they weren't playing this way. And I understand that we all go back to when they beat Memphis in the regular season and they really shut it down for the last month of the year just to get to the postseason. But even then, they were not – I mean, just the the amount of defense that they had on Kevin Durant and on Devin Booker last night, just the hands that were all over their face. They didn't have an open look last night. There is a reason why. They couldn't make shots because the defense was top-notch. You had guys like KCP going to passing lanes, getting the rock whenever the ball was thrown. Um, They were the aggressors in the game. That was the first thing I wanted to see. And it's small things like that which really turned this game around. And honestly, it was a laugher before the end of the first quarter. It was, and the Nuggets did this in a couple different ways. The defense and uh, that was played on those top two guys was impressive. But I, I guess I want to focus first on the idea that uh, in Game 5, Michael Porter Jr. came out firing, scored early first quarter points. In Game 6, it was Contavious Caldwell-Pope. This seems to be, for me, one of the keys for the Nuggets going forward. You have to get someone else besides Jokic and Murray buckets in the first quarter so the defense playing against the Nuggets has to respect it and give Jokic more space to operate. But not only that, Sean, how were the buckets, though? It's not just you have to go and get the shots. When did the shots happen? They happen in transition. They happen off of steals. They happen off of great defense. You think about game five of Michael Porter Jr. They are on the run, able to go give him the rock. He now has open looks, right? So that's the first thing you have to do. KCP last night was able to get a couple of steals, got some really nice layups, and also hit some threes as well. Those out and run, and it doesn't matter. Oh, we might have a connection there. We'll see. Right the oh, I think. Oh, did we get you back, Justin? Sorry, I was a little. Yep. Okay. Am okay, I here? great. Yep. Okay, we, sorry, we, sorry. We got you. Uh, Driving in park is kind of weird. Yeah, there's there's a little <laughs> bit of hit and miss out there. I, I I know that area well. Ponderosa High School out there. I that. Definitely oh. no cell phone service back then because no cell phones. But the uh, <laughs> n- you look forward now, with, it's going to be the Warriors or it's going to be the Lakers. And obviously, either team presents challenges. If, if you're the Nuggets, which do you want to face? It doesn't matter. I know that we want to say that, well, you look at the Lakers and say, well, they have really good defense and they have length and Anthony Davis and so they read. Or you look at the Golden Stairs and say, hey, they're the defending champs you have on the floor. We're going to have that formula and able to beat them. Um, on a personal level, um, and Sandy, you understand this, being a historian that you are, you want the Los Angeles Lakers because the Nuggets have never beat the Lakers in the champ in a, in a playoff series. And to even take it a step further, every time the Nuggets have gotten to the Western Conference Finals, is that team in purple and gold that has beaten them. That's the team that you want from a historic standpoint. You want to beat that team in order to get to your first Finals appearance. Um, I'll reconfirm uh, just in one lost numbers. Uh, the various series they played, uh, most of the time the Western Conference Finals, but not always. 1-2, 1-4, 0-3, 0-4, 
2-4, and 1-4. That adds up to five playoff wins historically against the Lakers against 21 losses yeah. uh, over the course of half a dozen playoff series. Uh, one, the first one, was best of three, and mm-hmm. that was tight. The Lakers on a last-second hook by Kareem beat the Nuggets out of a series two games out of three in 1979. Every other series excepting 87, which is best of five, is best of seven, and the Nuggets never won more than uh, the two games they won in nine in uh, 2009. And a series that I actually thought they had a shot to win, but the deal there was that the longer the series went, the better the Lakers seemed to be. That was a series that the Nuggets either had to sweep or win in five, and they almost pulled it off. They they were 2-2 after four games, and they certainly could have won, maybe should have won at least one other game and either swept the series or been up 3-1, but that's uh, uh, ancient history now. Um, I agree with you. I I guess given the choice, I'd rather see Nuggets-Lakers, and I think that's probably the series we'll see. Uh, given the Wiggins injury that seems likely to keep him out of the game tonight, that's a major loss for the Warriors. And apparently, uh, Davis is going to play, and they will be uh, full and healthy as a team for this six-game playing at home. Uh, The thing there, uh, too, is that the Lakers haven't lost a home game since March, and the Nuggets haven't come close really to losing a playoff game at home and were what 34 and 7 33 and yep. 8 something like that in the in the regular mm-hmm. season at home uh, d- didn't lose very often in the regular season at home want to get the Jokic uh you've seen great athletes in your day uh you've you've played against great athletes uh, how would you <laughs> and I know words are elusive somehow superlative certainly are when it comes to describing Jokic, but uh, let's just take last night. I have never seen one player dominate a game more thoroughly than he did last night, and he only played 38 out of the 48 minutes. How would you characterize that performance? He's Peyton Manning in 2013. That's the only performance I've ever seen. Um, when you think about wow, somebody like Jokic, it, it is. Cop. I mean, it's. It's to the point where I remember watching games in 2013, and I had to tell myself, like verbally out loud, enjoy this because this does not happen. Like this No is one not will play this well again at a particular position. Same thing with Jokic. Like, enjoy having a guy who is not like Shaq, who needs the ball in the paint and has to turn around and slam it in somebody's face, right? Or have a ridiculous hook shot from five, five feet out in order to get his point. You have a guy who's going to be methodical, who will look over the whole court, who will wait for somebody on the weak side to cheat down because if you do, he's going to shoot the ball across the court and go and get it to that man. If not, and you single up, well, then it's going to be a floater. Like that, that, That's what it is. It's going to be great footwork. He's going to score, or he's going to find the open man. Like Enjoy this right now because we're not going to see this. Like This is not something that Denver sports has seen, especially from the Denver Nuggets. You don't get this a lot. It's so... I would say that when you talk about this guy, he is Peyton Manning-esque in 2013, 100% the way through. That is a really good way to put it. I mean, he's been a surgeon. I've said for a couple of years uh, that, that he's 
Keanu Reeves Neo in the Matrix movies. He just kind of breaks the code and, and does what he wants to do. And but that the Peyton Manning comparison is really, really good there. And uh, you're right; it, it is just uh, highly unusual to see. And uh, we don't know. There really, quite frankly, doesn't seem to be uh, any end in sight, which is remarkable. We'll find out, of course, who they play after the uh, Lakers and Warriors go tonight in Game Six. That could close out the series, or it could go to seven, which I'm sure the Nuggets would prefer. Get a little more rest. Um, we're talking to Justin Adams from CBS News, Colorado. You can follow him on Twitter, Justin Adams TV. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on your Colorado Buffaloes. I was up there for the uh, the black and gold game and the excitement there, despite the snow. But the roster turnover in one year, the players leaving the portal, players coming through the portal, uh, it's kind of unprecedented. And I, I'll, I'll give you my, my thought, and I know Sandy and I have sort of different uh, viewpoints on it, so I'm curious. I think because it's unprecedented, I think some of it is making a mountain out of a molehill because this is just an unusual situation where you have the worst football comp team in the entire Power Five conferences uh, with a new head coach that's able to bring in a different level of talent in a world in which the transfer portal is now the wild, wild west. And all of those things, have a confluence of events leads to this. And yes, it's weird. And yes, it's unusual. But I don't necessarily think that it's not a bad thing. I think it jumpstarts the program. That said... There's arguments that have been made, and Sandy have made some some pretty good ones as well, that it could actually be a bad thing and a bad way to start off Deion Sanders' uh, administration of the Buffalo's football program. Where do you stand on all the turnover, knowing that it's literally continuing today? Three things, and I'll make it really quick because I know uh, where we're at time-wise. Number one, I feel for the young men who had a scholarship and who will no longer be able to play football anymore because everyone who goes to that transfer portal doesn't find another team. There will be some guys who are in that transfer portal who have played their last football at the Division One level, and they will have to go down to D2 or something like that if they want to continue to play football. It just is what it is because of the roster spots um, around the country. So you have that portion over there. But number two, and the main part of this is it needed to happen. Like something needed to happen. Just imagine if somebody was in debt so much to their ears, right, so much to their eyes, and then they said, I want to go get out of debt. What's the first thing you would tell them to do? You have to get more finances. You have to go and decrease your spending. And number three, you need to change your habits. you got to change literally the people in your life in order to get that change. What did the bus do? What did Deion Sanders do? Well, he literally has changed the guys on the team. There are some great – there are some guys who are very talented who have walked out those doors, but it's a mindset. It's the mindset that the bus needed to go and change in order to do so. Then they finally were able to get some better talent up at the university now. When you look at the top 100, if you're a guy who looks at ratings and everything, according to 24-7 Sports, the Buffs only got two transfers that were in that top 100. Right. So you only got two, okay? Right. You know, you got a lot, of, a lot of players, but right. not necessarily the quality you'd expect from that quantity. But, Sandy, it's the mindset, and that's the main thing that you want to change. Sometimes you got to go and change those people in those jerseys and those uniforms who were comfortable. I had a chance to speak actually to one guy who uh, graduated from CU yesterday. It was one of the stories that I did. And he would say, you know what? We were comfortable. Like, we just we just laid back. We knew that we had the food. We knew that we had everything here for us. We didn't have that hunger. This is from a guy who wasn't even playing football. He was playing track and field. And he was saying he knew that the football team was extremely comfortable. So when other people can see that and they know that and you don't have that talent on the field, then guess what happens? You get your butt kicked to your 1-11 last year where you lose seven games by 30 points or more. Right. We're tired of that. 
everybody's tired of seeing that. So you want to see something new. It may not be a team that gets to a bowl game this year. I think they still win six games no matter who else is in uniform. But it's that 2024 that everybody should be looking at. 2025, where you have USC and UCLA go to the Big Ten. That is the opportunity for Coach Prime to be able to strike, and I expect him to do so. Yeah, and that that is the idea, and all those points are extremely well made. Uh, Listen, even if you're not getting people in the transfer portal who played a lot uh, from some of these big schools they're getting players from, after all, they're in the transfer portal. You assume they're not happy, right. and they're not happy because they're not playing. Right. Uh, they, they would be better almost by definition than what they put generally on the field last year. I, I'd say maybe one or two positions they lost guys who might have been starting caliber players uh, for the team this, this year, and certainly you don't hire Deion Sanders and then act surprised when there's a lot of change, that's why you hired him as a change agent, as he describes himself. I want to ask you one thing, though, uh, mm-hmm. where it it seemed a little awkward to me when uh, Rick George um, understandably defended Dion a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it was awkward only because prior to last December, Perhaps the biggest critic in the country of the transfer portal was Rick George. And now he's in a position of having to champion the transfer portal. And I thought that made things a little awkward. And I wondered at first why he was so defensive about it. And then I I realized, well, wait a minute. This is the guy who hated the transfer portal before. Yeah, because you hate the transfer portal because you lost so many guys before you went to last season. That's why. I mean, you see how many guys that they lost, right? The talent, the amount of talent that Bus lost last year, over 20 players. You had guys like Christian Gonzalez, who went in top Absolutely. 10 in the NFL. Absolutely. the first Bingo. round draft pick. Yeah. Bingo, right? Uh, M- Mekhi Becton, I believe it's Mekhi Becton. Uh, forgive me if I have the name wrong, but that's another player that was with the Bus, went to USC, and now with the Minnesota Vikings. That's another player you lost. So the reality is, is that, yeah, if I'm Rick George, I hate the transfer portal too. But here's the reality. Sometimes it gives Sometimes it gives us and sometimes it takes us away when you talk about that transfer portal. And that's the reality where, yeah, you may lose some guys, but now it's your opportunity to be able to go and get some guys. And so when you have a different voice, when you have a different uh, voice and leadership, then you have to go and make those changes. And so Rick George, he's there for the ride. He's going to give Deion Sanders everything that he needs in order for him to be successful, and hopefully it all works out. So Rich George approaches the transfer portal the way he, t- he feels about it the way I feel like when I play at the blackjack table. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's the worst. Why it's the stupidest thing I've ever done. Sometimes it's great. I love it. It happens it's to like, uh, it happens to just coincide with how I'm doing. What a coincidence, right? He is Justin Adams. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter at Justin Adams TV, and of course catch him on CBS News Colorado. Uh, whatever you can, uh, doing great work there, Justin. Always wonderful to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Justin. Hey, fellas, I appreciate you. Be blessed. All right, take care. Uh, yeah, J- Justin's. Um, He's right, and that comparison to Peyton Manning is spot on, uh, where where Manning felt like he was just doing what he wanted. It, it was, and I'm considerably older than Justin is, but it was the best year I ever saw from a quarterback. It, just in terms, I, I don't know that the position could be played any better than Peyton Manning played it that year. 
certainly up until the Super Bowl. That was <laughs> that was the case. What but, happened in the Super Bowl? I blanked uh, it. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> but we did, there was a certain snap that went oh yeah 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 start the yeah. game and it just never got oh better. there was a local sports host that said like if 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 that guy Manny Ramirez remained the center the the Broncos would be in big trouble with but uh, I don't remember who it was Ryan Beth- I don't remember kind of remote. I I always thought of that as a John Fox error but <laughs> I've told that story before what, Protar or something like that said that I don't know. sometimes he knows what he's talking about. The Denver Nuggets are on their way to the Western Conference Finals. Who will they play? Well, we don't know that yet, but we look at the way the Nuggets played and how they could compete against each team. We'll talk about it a little bit next. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy, after, or at least before, before the tremendous game performance by Nikola Jokic, Mark Jackson outed by the NBA <laughs> itself as the person who left Nikola Jokic You know what? That was ballot. the funniest thing about the story <laughs> was that he was outed by the NBA at NBA.com. To, to their credit. And not the, by any independent journalistic institution. Yeah. It was the NBA itself, itself that outed him. Here's all of our votes and, and, and absolutely to their credit. We, talk, we ran this out yesterday and I give them great credit uh, the NBA for getting ahead of that. Every single voters, each vote, all of them were all displayed on every every one. Six man of the year, all of them. Uh, and ninety nine made sense out of a hundred. The one that made no sense came from the guy who said, "Oops, I just forgot." Yeah, which forgot. is the lamest excuse. I have ever heard for an error of that magnitude. The back-to-back current. I forgot to put the current MVP. The guy, the current MVP. Oh, I I forgot about him. And 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 then I thought he even buried (laughs) himself deeper into the hole when he said, "Well." I voted for one center, two forwards, and two guards. What? And I'm saying that's how I do my all-time NBA yeah, team, but that's not an MVP vote. I if if you had five guards who are the five most valuable players in the league, they'd go one, two, three, four, and five. Who says you you're not creating an all-star team? Here he was, was he making thought he was making an all-NBA team? out and plays well together. No. It, this isn't this isn't the creation of an all star team. It's identifying the most valuable player in the league. He fully intended to do it. He meant to do it, and he got caught because uh, I'm sure he never imagined that it would be made public. That his vote would be made public. Right, and he'd listen to Charles Barkley castigate that. Fool on national television who left Jokic off his ballot. No full well it was him, but also supposed that it would never come out right. that it was him. That Charles Barkley was talking about some stupid writer from Boston or Philadelphia or wherever who doesn't know a basketball from a beach ball and had the maybe one. never heard of Nikola Jokic. 
forget about a guy who has done several Nugget games this year and said on national TV, phony that he is, that Jokic is the best passing big man of all time. I've changed my position. I thought it was Walton. Now it's Jokic. But privately, which is Mark Jackson's entire history, privately, he believed that Nikola Jokic was colossally overrated and wasn't even worth a spot in the top five of most valuable player candidates in 2023 in the end. Here was the tweet yesterday. Quote, made an honest mistake of my MVP votes. My no, apologies to the Denver no, Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. He's not only a legitimate MVP candidate who deserved my vote, but he's truly one of the all-time greats. Again, my apologies. Mark Jackson, as it stands, given his broadcasting position, is likely to be on the call for a couple of these Western Conference yeah. Finals oh, games. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. He and Van Gundy will be with Mike Breen. I know they separate them at times during the regular season, but in the playoffs, as I recall from past years, they're not broken up. So it's the three of them rather than Breen with Jackson or Breen with Van Gundy and the one who's not is doing another game. I think now that they get down to the conference finals, they they put all three of them together. And, uh, you know, Breen and uh, Van Gundy are, are two of the most professional people you'll ever run across. They're good guys. Um, uh, Mike Evans, my, my old partner, uh, and I spent – really a lot of time around those three in the 2009 Western Conference Finals, which we talked about just a few moments ago, Nuggets-Lakers. And uh, I found uh, Breen to be a gentleman, good guy, Van Gundy to be every bit the character that he comes across as being doing color when he was one of the more uptight coaches I ever saw. And I saw Van Gundy coach when, remember, back in the day it seems like uh, the dark ages now when we used to be able to sit along something called press row right which meant that i would sit typically um either at old mcnichols or at what was then pepsi center two or three seats away from jeff van gundy and i'll never forget a time he was coaching in houston and He'd get on officials all the time, which didn't make him a bad guy. But at one point, I almost had to laugh. He said, you're making calls that have an impact on my life. My life is at stake here. <laughs> Don't you understand? And I I started laughing. Of course, the poor... He didn't intend to be funny, right. but that he, he does come across... I think very well, and um, I think we can say this here. Well, I'm going to say it anyway. Mark Jackson came across as a pompous ass, and I'll leave it at that. Well, And also, also a phony in the sense that what he would say in private would never match what he said in public. Well, what he voted for in private didn't match up what he said in public, so I think you have a little bit of backing there. Gold-plated That will be an interesting narrative. When it comes to the broadcast situation now, because I don't know if ESPN has a crisis on their hands, but they have something they have to consider. And it will be interesting to see how that 
shakes out. Now, the, the Nuggets, are, the, the beauty of it is other players might be bothered by that. Jokic will. Jokic, one, if Jokic, Jokic even knows about it, he, he doesn't, doesn't care, care in the slightest. <laughs> no. And two, if, if it were to bother him even the slightest, as we found recently, uh, Jokic is not. Well, Jokic, Jokic is not, he's not Michael Jordan. He, he doesn't need to be no. pissed off no. to play well. But you know what? I've seen Jokic when he does have a bit of a chip on his shoulder, and he, he, you don't want that smoke. Ought to do something similar to what he did with Matt Ishbia, right? Take a blank ballot, and as he's leaving the court, stop one off pregame for him. warm-ups, just stop where uh, at their broadcast his hand, drop one location, off. Here you go. and drop off a ballot and said, "You want to try again? Yeah, do again, Here. and then be humorous about it. Yeah. Say, you want to take another crack? Here's a ballot. <laughs> you want to take another crack at it? <laughs> just in case." Oh, my goodness. I mean, it, but he doesn't even care enough to do no, he that. Doesn't. He I doesn't. suspect he doesn't. And uh, it, it's the Nuggets are so fortunate to not only have and I, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll continue to talk about this. But uh, Jokic, of course, is is uh, on another level of, of NBA player. And it wasn't that long ago, considering that he only turned 28 a couple months ago. That you'd look at an Alex English, or maybe if you wanted to say David Thompson, or, or you could make an argument. My my argument was for the longest time in this uh, franchise's history, Alex English was the, the greatest player in Nuggets history. But I mean, we're at a point where it's not even a discussion. Alex English and Fat Lever last year were asked by the, the by the Nuggets on social media. They were when they were together, I think, or a couple years ago when when Fat's number went up. Yeah. And, and, and this, they both were. This here. was previous to yeah. to this Jokic's and, run. And, and listen, and they Pat were Lever asked, and Alex English are two of my three or four favorite Nugget players of all time. They were asked by the the, the questioner, right. you know, is is Nikola Jokic uh, be, on the verge of becoming the greatest Nuggets player in history? They both looked at each other. I mean, perfect. Yeah. You know, couldn't couldn't have directed a better Hollywood movie. Looked at each other, looked at the camera, looked at the questioner, and both just started laughing. I mean, they were like, of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I mean, about? who else has been a two-time MVP? Yeah. I mean, uh, and, uh, which he wasn't. And I understand that, at the time he wasn't a That was the MVP. year that he did win his first MVP. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and at that point, I mean, they, they would, even but, then, but even then one, there, was no, there was no doubt. They were and like, Dan no, never has seen anyone responded like in much the same way. And Dan played here and starred here and coached here. And Dan won a championship in the ABA with the Kentucky Colonels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that didn't win a title. Alex didn't win a title. Dan won an Dan NBA Issel, championship. You can make a very good argument. It's one of the top five players in the history of the And even Hubie ABA. Brown on the telecast last night, as they were reminiscing through the second half, because there were, really wasn't yeah. a competitive yeah. game to watch. Uh, I, I know Hubie and Dan were not terribly compatible. Uh, in fact, when, Things happen. when Dan got traded to Denver, uh, Hubie said, "Good, he can go there and shoot his <laughs> rear end off." Yeah, if you want, uh, Hubie always thought that that Dan took a few more shots than he should have, and Hubie was able to get get the ball inside to Artis, and of course Louis Dampier would do that. Uh, of course, Louis Dampier and Dan Essel were best friends for life. I mean, but I mean, they, they, they were very close. But he mentioned Dan last night. They were talking about championship teams. And, uh, of course, Hubie, uh, they were actually talking about Al McCoy, the great longtime Phoenix play-by-play man 
on radio who's in his 90s and is still as sharp as ever. If you want to listen to the best radio broadcast in the NBA on a local level, listen to Al McCoy. He still does it better than anybody else. Going to have to wait till next fall, though. the best of all time, but he's a great announcer. He's a great announcer because he ain't a homer. He ain't a homer. And, in fact, a friend of mine listened uh, last night because for some reason he couldn't get the Nugget radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. He was listening to Al McCoy. He said, Al McCoy's the best guy I've, I've heard in the last 20 years doing basketball on the radio. He's, he's incredible. But anyway, they're talking about Al McCoy, and Al McCoy and Hubie came into the NBA at the same time. Uh, Al McCoy is a Phoenix play-by-play man in 1972, and Hubie is an assistant coach under Larry Costello with the Milwaukee Bucks. And they were they were talking about Hubie's championship team in Kentucky, and he said, you know, we have three Hall of Famers, <laughs> you know, Hall of Fame-type players in Louis Dampier, Dan Issel, and Artis Gilmore. And it, 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 But Hubie was talking about Jokic in much the same way that all of us are talking about him as a player the likes of whom he hadn't seen, and that was part of the point. He said, I've been around and coached Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I've never seen anybody like Nikola Jokic. That's pretty high praise. Obviously, uh, the Nuggets uh, find a way to get to the Western Conference Finals again. Who will they get? The Lakers or the Warriors will maybe know tonight, or we may know uh, after Game 7. Who would you want? The call and text line is 303-831-1340. Or, kind of on Justin Adams' side. But, you know, who cares? You're the top seed. They're coming to you. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Had to let that Asia go a little bit. Absolutely. Sandy kind of gave it to it there. Not, not a, by the way, they had this one, but not... Not a one-hit wonder, actually. I mean, this one's heat of the moment, but also yeah. only time will tell two-hit wonder. Yes. Which is twice as good as being a one-hit wonder, so congratulations to them. <laughs> that was better than better than my no-hits. I mean, I'll, I'll take it for sure. The Western Conference Finals for the Denver Nuggets will be against either the Lakers again, <laughs> which has been their Western Conference Finals opponent in the previous three appearances in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah that's right. And... Or previous three, Seattle the previous was three. the first. Yep, so that was the first. But three out of the four have been against the Lakers, and of course the Nuggets are 0 for 4 in those. And 8 and 25, I looked it up, in their career playoffs against the Lakers. Um, in in total. And the... I thought it was 5 and 21. Five and oh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll look that up. Either way, it's bad. It's real bad. And uh, very low percentage. And of course, then you got the Warriors, who started their championship dynasty run essentially on the floor of the then Pepsi Center after Danilo Gallinari had his, suffered a really bad injury, and then the Warriors went on to win that series. And, yeah. And, and they, that was... They, that, they that, won in Oakland, but they yes, beat the but Nuggets. But that ignited their run. Uh, 
Yes, although they had to get rid of Mark Jackson, the aforementioned Mark Jackson. Well, that first. Right. and that's when the dynasty started. And, and, and <laughs> Mark Jackson goes down in the annals of uh, major professional sports history as the only coach whose firing led immediately. By immediately, I mean the next year to the start of a dynasty. Uh, you can say, well, what about Pat Riley succeeding Paul Westhead in Los Angeles and winning that very year? Fine, except Paul West had won an NBA title with the Lakers in 1980. You may remember Magic right. Johnson's uh, uh, baby sky hook uh, mm-hmm. uh, and starting at center and scoring 42 points in game six without Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the lineup, the MVP of the league in 1980. They were missing, and they won with Magic. Paul Westhead was the head coach, so that is not analogous. Uh, Red Auerbach was the coach uh, for all but two years in the Boston dynastic run. Bill Russell was a player coach for for two of those titles, but Red won nine. And uh, the other example would be Doug Collins to Phil Jackson. But remember, Phil Jackson lost to the Pistons too in his first year before in the second year the Bulls began their dynastic run of the three straight championships, then two years when Michael Jordan was either completely inactive or mostly inactive, and then three more in a row. But there was a year that passed between Doug Collins and Phil Jackson uh, winning a championship. Phil Jackson's first year did not result in championship. So uh, Jackson is unique in the hand, uh, in the annals of incompetent coaches in the history of major professional sports. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. The- oh, I mean, it's, it's sheer incompetence. And, uh, you know, it, it was funny at the time. There were there were some, uh, uh, you know, ignoramuses uh, uh, here who at the time thought that, uh, well, Mark Jackson would beat out uh, George Carl and out coached the coach of the year in 2013. And it's about a year later, it was apparent that Mark Jackson couldn't out coach a cardboard cutout. And actually, um, someone who is now familiar to Nuggets fans because he's the head coach of the Nuggets was really the guy who was doing the coaching in that series. Mark Jackson was never more than a front man. And there's a reason why Mark Jackson never was hired again to be an NBA coach because word well, got out and nobody that he wasn't that really an NBA wasn't coach what the, Warriors, the first time. He wasn't building the Warriors up, and that's, that's part of it. But for the for the Nuggets, with the Lakers having a chance to close things out tonight, Anthony Davis will play despite having his <clears throat> non-concussion, wink, wink, apparently. But uh, well, Yeah, and he may have, I don't know. I, I had trouble. I, I know he took a bit of a blow but the the whole stumbling off the court needing a wheelchair back near the locker room i'm like okay uh if you've got a concussion that's understandable but you can't have it both ways and they said well well, right right after the game they said no concussion and i said well why is he in a wheelchair then unless you know he's a bit of a drama king well and that's the thing is i but i i mean every time davis gets touched he's right i mean uh, davis yes davis um yeah, we have we have I have plenty of thoughts about Anthony. Great Davis player, myself. I mean, great player. When he's on the court, but uh, you know, when he's on the court, he's extraordinary. He, uh, Jeff Van Gundy had this note he's, he's about a month ago. 
that 253 in, in his first it's like a statue and somehow his, he's right that friend well, but zion williamson has been accused of being soft zion williamson played in more games as i think his first three years in the nba than anthony davis played anthony davis however has still managed to get himself not only a ring but eight times an all well, an all-star i mean he's an extraordinary player yeah, he is the uh, but and he, he was the only one of the kentucky guys now in the NBA, or uh, over the years since Calipari took mm-hmm. over, who was part of a college national championship yeah. and is still starring in the NBA. So when he I, plays, I'm 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 with you. I I personally, my you know whatever. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea. But it sure looked to me like Anthony Davis had a concussion. And to the I agree with you. I'm like, wait, if if, the, if, if they're going to wheel him off the court, you must think it's pretty serious, yeah. right? No, oh, oh no, he's actually fine. He'll play in in forty eight hours. Wait, yeah. what? Well, they they were saying that after the game. Remember, Darwin right. Ham said, "Oh, he's already recovering." Like, huh? Him, he'll be fine. Yes, Tom Brady's magic concussion water. I mean, yeah, how'd you get that? I, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I even don't, know. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. He wasn't we'll, even wearing one of those. Uh, we'll find out. Newfangled helmets that no. they're putting on people in the NFL. But uh, the. I think Nuggets fans probably want the Lakers because that's the most recent matchup, and I, I get that. But this this should be the mindset, and um, it's it's you know it's not my uh, quote it's from uh, a very famous graphic novel called Watchmen, but the one of the characters basically says this. And this is the quote. This is the way the Nuggets need to think about it. None of you understand. I'm not locked up in here with you. You're locked up in here with me. And that's the way the Nuggets need to approach it. They're the top seed. Yeah. They're the best team in the West. They have home court advantage. Who cares who they get? Whoever the, the Lakers need to re- beat the Nuggets. The Warriors need to beat the Nuggets. The Nuggets have been the better team all year. The Nuggets have been the better team in the playoffs than either the Lakers or the Warriors. That's why they have home court. And that's why they need, and that's why through the Western, they're through Western Conference Finals, and these guys are not. And... That's the approach. I would love to see that from the Denver Nuggets as an organization, and it, does, it doesn't have to. You know, it doesn't have to be showy. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, full of braggadocio. But I would love to see that confidence. No, you're here for a reason. Yeah, and and they're here trying to beat you. But you're the top dog. You have to remember, there was a time not too long ago that we expected the Nuggets and Lakers perhaps in the first round. Correct. The Lakers have proven to be quite a bit better than people expected. And I think the Nuggets have been better than people expected until uh, some of the uninitiated realize that... uh, Wait a minute. They were in first place back in December Mm -hmm. and stayed there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They've kind of been there all year. Oh, by the way... Uh, again, it's it's ridiculous that, that that these national guys don't follow a team that was the number one seed for the last four months of the season. I mean, they didn't just erupt in the last 20 games and catch fire and ascend to the top. They were there for a third of a year. The Nuggets in the conference... Right now, friends over at Superbook are a minus 140 to win the Western Conference. The Lakers plus 220, Golden State plus 500. But to win the title, the Nuggets uh, standing atop the odds was very brief. 
They are now second. The Boston Celtics at plus 160. The Nuggets at plus 225. The Celtics are tied in their series in which I... Right. Oh, okay. They had a hell of a win last night, though. And I, uh, I, they I, did. These things always change, and it's it's on, you know, the perceptions out there, and they're they're setting these odds to create action on both sides. Correct. It's always remember, remember that so, they're trying to make sure it's about 50-50. You know, so listen, I, I mean, I watched the Boston-Philadelphia game uh, much more closely than we had to watch the Nuggets because the Nuggets game was over. I, th- I think Justin Adams was correct. The game was over after one quarter. Uh, garbage time began at some time early in the second quarter last night. It really did. And and so I didn't pay much attention as I usually would uh, after the middle of the second quarter because it was obvious that uh, the, the Nuggets were, were going to win. And the only question, and I, I give uh, Pash and Hubie uh, credit for this, that the, the, the only question in the second half was the degree of embarrassment to which the Suns would be subjected. Yes, I think. Once the game was over, and it was, as it turned out, considerable. Uh, enough that Devin Booker, I tailed it out of there. Yep, and, absolutely. Uh, but the- Boston Philly, just to talk about that for a second, quick. Well, we don't have that much time. But it was an intriguing game, and Boston showed some moxie. They did. Leave it and, at that. They, and, they uh, shot 42%. Uh, in an elimination game for them, with a and they heck of a finishing found kick. a way to win, big found finishing a way to kick win. enough to really, I think, uh, shake Philly's confidence. We'll find out. Lakers Warriors tonight. We might be able to break down the Western Conference oh, Finals yeah. by tomorrow. Wouldn't that be something? It's been a lot of well, fun. Thanks to Justin Adams for joining us. Be here. Oh yeah, it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> You know what's the best thing about Friday? When you actually forget it's Friday until right now. I Wait, we're Anil off Pierre. work. What are we doing? Anil Apiro and Cody Rourke are coming up. Why am I not on vacation already? Man, I'm an idiot. Hope you all have a better weekend than I do. Well, maybe you might not. I don't even know it's the weekend yet. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth. Spencer Patterson making us look good over at MyLifeSports.com and on the app. Thanks to Sandy Clough for reminding me not to come in here tomorrow. Yes. Because that would have been you weird. Can come in if you want. I guess so. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. I been... think the building would be rather empty. Yeah. Also, I, they don't they don't give me like the code. I'll just stand at the door looking oh, sad. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't know right. how it would work. You wouldn't probably in the rain to make it look more depressing and pathetic. But no, we'll be back well, on Monday. Well, you can do one of those social media videos of how NFL sad teams. and pathetic I look. Yeah, I'm dying to do that. <laughs> I don't need a lot of help for that. Zanny Clough. We'll be back on Monday, and we will be breaking down the Western Conference Finals because we will know who it is. I'm Sean Drotar. Afternoon Drive is next, right here on Miley Sports. It's all right. It's all right.